Hey, South Bend City Church, Mariah here, the Director of Art and Worship. We're so thankful that you chose to join us today, whether this is your hundredth time listening or it's your very first time. We hope you know that you are seen and safe and a part of our community today. Before we jump into today's teaching, just wanted to give you a quick update on our Christmas offering. We've been talking about this for about the past month, and this weekend in our gatherings, we were able to announce that we raised $38,315.63 for different initiatives in our community, our city, and the world. Those funds will be split equally between each area and will go towards replenishing our South Bend City Church General Fund, which is our community initiative, creating a fund to specifically be a help to refugees as needs arise throughout the year, and serving unhoused residents of South Bend by supporting a social outreach ambassador position at downtown South Bend. That's the initiative for our city. And finally, part of the offering will go to help Redeemer Central Church in Belfast, Northern Ireland, provide heat for church gatherings and asylum seekers throughout the winter. Thank you so much for your generosity during this season. And as always, if you want to continue to support the work that we're doing here at South Bend City Church, you can go to southbendcitychurch.com backslash give. That link is also in the show notes below. And it's only through your generosity that we're able to do the things that we're able to do. All right, today we continued our series on money as we focused on money possibilities. Because we are icons made in the image of God, we're called to be generous, both individually and collectively, because God is generous. But what does generosity look like, and how can we live in the currents of generosity? This week we reflect on the four T's, time, talent, treasure, and testimony, to learn from Scripture about how God shows up in those areas and how we can challenge ourselves to show up for our city and for the world. Today, we get to hear from Dr. Angela Logan. Dr. Logan is a beloved member of our community showing up in a bunch of different ways, whether that's leading our communion team or teaching on the weekends. She also is a trusted advisor of our leadership team as well. But during her week, she's an associate teaching professor and the St. Andre Bassett Academic Director of the Master of Nonprofit Administration in the Mendoza College of Business at the University of Notre Dame. Her research focuses on the intersection of gender, race, and nonprofit and philanthropic leadership. She is the first African American woman to earn a PhD in philanthropic studies from the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. This past week, she was recognized as one of the two inaugural recipients of the Notre Dame Black Excellence Faculty Award. The award reads, and I'm just reading this because that'll give you some insight into who Dr. Logan is. The Notre Dame Black Excellence Awards are intended to honor the outstanding black community members on campus. These individuals truly walk the walk and serve in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy. Award recipients embody the excellence we see every day in aspects of professionalism, leadership, and achievement. These recipients serve all communities at Notre Dame and beyond with their work and service, and they continuously live out black excellence. It is my honor to introduce to you today as we join the rest of our community. Dr. Angela Logan. Thank you. Good morning, Eleven. Good morning. Excellent. I was starting to get a little worried because you all were just subdued, and I was like, oh, Lordy. Okay. Few housekeeping rule, um, points of order. I am a proud product of the black church tradition where call and a response are a thing. So you all have the permission and the freedom to talk back to me. Is that all right? Amen. I want to take a moment to welcome 
our youngest members of SBCC. I often share with the staff that the sign of a church with a future is, a, is one with a thriving children's ministry. And based on those numbers that we just heard, our future is bright. Amen. What a year this month has been, friends. Lord, what a year this month has been. Now, if you were here last week, or if you listened to the podcast, you are probably wondering how I am ever going to connect a teaching on grief and loss with one on generosity. And for those of you who were sitting near me last Sunday at the 11, you know I was a little confused myself. But then Monday morning, God does what God, God did what God always does. God showed up. And as I sat quietly in the dark and prayed, and more importantly, was still enough to listen, God reminded me of all the ways that I show up when someone in my life has experienced grief or loss. I show up with my presence, with my words, and on occasion, with my money. And then God reminded me of when a few of us went to Israel-Palestine back in November with Telos to study peacemaking and conflict. That first morning there on the Mount of Beatitudes, Pastor Jason spoke of the table as a tether that keeps us connected to God when the fierceness of life might knock us off our feet. This sacramental meal reminds us of God's lavish generosity to us and more importantly, how we are called to be generous to one another. And so today, I am going to talk about money possibilities. Now, a warning. Pastor Jason asked a university professor, classically trained in philanthropy, to preach about generosity. Yeah, we should be done by my seven o'clock class tonight, but I make no promises. But first, a story. If you've been around me for any length of time, you know that I like to drop pearls of wisdom. There are Angela-isms, which are brilliant things that I say, and I do say a lot of brilliant things. There are Richardisms. Things my father often tells me. And then there are Terryisms, things that my late mother taught me. One of the most important Terryisms in my life always buy yourself something for Christmas, your birthday, and any special occasion. That way, you are guaranteed not to be disappointed. 
So the, the woman was wise beyond her years. So this year, I decided I was going to buy myself a pearl bracelet. Like any good Enneagram Six Wing Five, I had done all the homework. I had compared and contrasted. I went to the jeweler. I tried it on. I was hyped. Word of caution for our young friends in the room, don't grow up. Adulting is hard. Zero of five stars would not recommend. Thank you. They tell you you get to have cake for breakfast and you can stay up as late as you want, but what they don't tell you is when the time comes, you go to bed early and you have responsibilities. So the week that I was going to buy my pearl bracelet, I had to buy a new car battery, front and rear brake pads, and my dentist informed me that I needed to have some extensive work done. Merry Christmas to Angela. Shortly after the holidays, Beth Grable and I met for coffee to kind of catch up on life, and I was lamenting about the pains of adulting. She understood, we hugged, we laughed, and then we went on about our days. When I got home, I checked the mail, and lo and behold, I got a Christmas card from my Lauren. Now, a little bit about my Lauren, she came into my life when she was 16. About 10 years ago, the reason why she came into my life is because in that summer of 2012, her mom passed away. About a week after Lauren's mom passed away, my own mom died. And so naturally, Lauren became one of Auntie Angie's babies. Over the years, I have grieved with her. I have cheered wildly for her as she graduated from high school and her undergrad, and now she is less than a semester away from graduating from law school. I've written letters of recommendations. I've questioned her adulting choices. If you're around me long enough, kiddos, I will always say, I love you, I'm proud of you, and make good choices. I don't tell you what those choices are, I just encourage you to make good ones, because I'm trusting that you know how to make that choice. And I've also, she's also been the recipient of one of Auntie Angie's patented care packages. So I check my mail, and there's a card from my Lauren, and this is what the card says. For those of you who can't read it, Auntie Angie, I hope you are having a relaxing holiday. I just want to thank you for being you and for caring for me the way you do. Love you so much. P.S. These are freshwater pearls straight from the Philippines. I hope you like them. Yep. Little did I know that I did get my pearl bracelet for Christmas. That was a moment where I laughed and I was a little embarrassed because I had forgotten that God will always show up when you least expect it. 
and the seeds that you plant in good ground, they may not, you may not know when they're going to grow, but you just have to hold on and know that they will grow. Today, I am going to talk to you about giving and generosity. And can I tell you, I am going to Greek out and geek out on you. I've watched Pastor Jason do this for years, and I've always wanted to do it. So today, I'm going to teach you a little ancient Greek. The word I am going to teach you is philanthropia. On three, we're going to say it together. One, two, three. Come on, 11 o'clock. The word literally means love of humanity. And that is where the word philanthropy comes from. For those of you who want to learn more about the history of the word philanthropy or philanthropia, I highly recommend Hercules, the animated series, the episode entitled Hercules and the Promethean Myth. Yes, kiddos, grown-ups watch cartoons too. But philanthropy is what we're going to talk about today. More specifically, the word generosity. What does it look like to be generous? And how are we called to live in the currents of generosity? In the words of the great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., philanthropy is commendable, but it must not cause the philanthropist to overlook the circumstances of economic injustice which make philanthropy necessary. Y'all gonna catch that when you're in the car tonight and then you're gonna take note of it. We first talked about generosity in fall of 2021, but today I want to dig deeper into this topic. Because we are icons made in the image of God, we are called to be generous both individually and collectively, because God is, was, and will always be generous to us. One of, the, one of the things I like to do with my students is have them do what I call a philanthropy audit. So this week, I want you to do this same exercise. I want you to take a moment and reflect on all the ways your life has been impacted by generosity. Were you born in a nonprofit hospital? Did you go to an early childhood center that was a nonprofit? Did you participate in an after school program? Were your parents or the other caring adults in your life engaged in the PTO? Did you sell Boy Scout popcorn, Girl Scout cookies? or banned wrapping paper. Do you volunteer today? Do you, share, do you share your resources with an organization that you're passionate about? As you take this time and reflect, you realize that your life has been impacted tremendously by generosity. The great late Marion Wright Edelman once said that service was the rent that we pay to live on this earth. In my childhood home, the, the quote goes a little something differently. 
It was merely that service was the rent that I paid to live in my parents' house. When I was too old to go to vacation Bible school, I taught vacation Bible school. I became the caring adult for all my younger cousins when I was five. Don't ask them, because they, they all survived. They're fine. Don't question it. When I was, um, I outgrew my bassinet, and every one of my younger cousins lived in it. Service was the rent that I paid to live in my parents' home because they reminded me daily of the words of Luke 12, 48. To whom much is given, from her much is required. We spent much of last year looking at the Sermon on the Mount as told in Matthew. But today I want us to look at one particular section found in the, in the telling in Luke. In Luke 6, 37, 38, it reads, Do not pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. In the field of philanthropy, in the study of philanthropic studies, we often talk about the four T's. And for the balance of our time this morning, we're going to go through the four T's. Time, talent, treasure, and testimony. I'm going to share with you how God has shown up in each of those areas, how we currently might be showing up in those spaces, and then I'm going to challenge you to step a little further into these areas. Y'all ready? Let's do this. First, there's time. God took God's time when God was creating. Have you ever, I, I fundamentally believe that God got a full eight hours sleep and was on God's second cup of coffee when God created the universe. There is majesty and beauty and miracle in creation. If, as we read in Luke chapter 12, verse 27, have you ever seen how the wildflowers grow in the plains and the meadows? Do you think they work hard and long to clothe themselves? No, I tell you. Yes, thank you, sis. No, I tell you. Not even the great chieftain stands in peace, whom we call Solomon, wearing his finest regalia, was dressed as well as even one of these. God took care and attention when God created. But more than that, 
throughout the New Testament, we can see where Jesus took time to spend with his friends. Whether it was dinner with Mary and Martha, with Nicodemus, or even out on a fishing boat with his friends, Jesus was intentional about investing time with his people. So how do we show up? As we read in Galatians 6-2, bear each other's burdens. This way you are walking a path that brings full meaning and purpose to the law of the chosen one. I tell my students all the time, I can make more money, I can't make more time. So if I give you my time, fundamentally, I will give you my money. There are many ways where we have shown up with our time. Shout out kudos to all of you who've shown up to the SBCC workdays as we prepare our move to the Tribune building. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because as my pastor I had when I was in college would say, I have many talents, skills, gifts, and abilities, but no one, and I mean no one, wants to see me swing a sledgehammer. Dear God, no. Mm -mm. Maybe you didn't go to the work day, but you've sat with a friend who is grieving. You've been present with one of the kiddos in your life. You've read that story over and over and over again, not because you wanted it, but because they wanted your presence. And we've often all cheered wildly for the people in our lives, letting them know that we see them, we love them, and we're here for them. Over the course of the next week, my challenge to each of you is that if someone crosses your mind, stop what you're doing, take a moment, and send them a text or give them a call. As someone who's been on the receiving end of those calls, that you, the call usually arrives when they least expected it and when they most needed it. And also, I'm gonna try and struggle to um, take my own advice let people love you. People want to love you and love on you. Let them. Stop getting in your own way. The next, talent. How does God show up in talent? For those of us who are nauseatingly perky morning people, have you ever noticed a sunrise? They are magical and glorious. For those of us who are night owls, have you paid attention to a sunset? They too reflect God's beauty. To borrow a line from the author Alice Walker, I think it irritates God if you walk by the color purple in a field and don't notice it. People think pleasing God is all God care about. But any fool living in the world can see it's always trying to please us back. God shows up in ways of artistry 
reflecting God's talent. How do we show up? In Hebrews 13, 16, and do not forget to do good and share with those who are in need. For these are also sacrificial gifts that make Creator's heart glad. It's important to know what you can do, and more importantly, what you cannot do. I do not swing a sledgehammer. I do not work in children's ministry once they're of school age. There's a lot of opinions going, and we, have all, we both have strong opinions, and I'm going to be right. <laughs> but I do know what I do know, what I'm good at. And what I'm asking each of you to think about, what gifts are you not bringing to the world because the unpaid, loud, and wrong imposter syndrome is telling you that you can't do it? What gifts are you hiding under a literal or proverbial bush? For my kiddo friends in the room, always take opportunities to stretch yourself. For those of you who may not know this, this is literally only the third time in my life that I have ever preached a sermon. And yet, since I was old enough to read, I was placed in front of the church community, and though my voice shook and my knees, bucked, my knees wavered, I stood there and found the confidence to speak, and speak a lot, and a lot, and a lot. What I come on now. What I know to be certain is that your gift will make room for you if you get out of your own way and let it work. This week, my challenge to you is to get up and watch the sunrise. Now, because we are, in the, we are no longer in daylight savings, sunrise gets up, comes at 7.15, so even my night owls, you all can get up to see the sunrise. If you just can't bring yourself to get up, watch the sunset and pay attention to that beauty. I would also encourage you that when you are presented with an opportunity to step outside of your comfort stone, do it. I know they call it a comfort zone for a reason, because it's comfortable, just saying. But I want you to take a moment to step out of that and show up and bring your talents to help someone else. Lastly, there's treasure. How does God show how did God show up in um, with treasure? We can see over and over again, particularly in the New Testament, the great matrons of the faith like Lydia, who helped to bankroll the church. Women have always been in the forefront of leading guiding, directing, preaching, and supporting the church. Amen, ladies. Amen. We noticed this morning in the huddle that today the entire tech team and all those on stage were all women. We do what we have to do to make sure that the kingdom gets what it needs to get. Now, how do we show up 
as we see in Proverbs 11.25, generous persons will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. How many of you have ever been to a drive-thru? For me, this usually works at either Starbucks or Chick-fil-A. I don't know why, I think it's something about their training, that I will pay for the car behind me. But I always make sure to pull off so they don't know what's happening. It's a way to share my financial resources with someone I don't know. I tell the people that I love, if I have a dollar, you've at least got 50 cent. And all of my babies, whether the teeniest of tinies to my third year law students, know that Auntie Angie, that, that you have Auntie Angie's heart, and 10 times out of 10, Auntie Angie's wallet. Now, to quote my, now there are other ways that we can talk about generosity in terms of money. And that is generosity as it relates to the church. Oh, take a breath. You knew I was going to go there. Relax, exhale. I promise we will get through this. To quote my best friend and philanthropic scholar, Amy Cole Laramore, while we respond to examples of a generous God that has blessed us, we can oftentimes rob people of the grace, mercy, and dignity that has led to our own personal transformation. Generosity requires building different muscles when we are asked to intentionally think the best of those who disappoint and frustrate us. Generosity includes giving others the benefit of the doubt. As we think about church giving, we know there's a lot of church baggage, and so giving the benefit of the doubt allows us to heal, forgive, and offer grace and peace. Can I let you in on a little secret? The staff in the, at this church carries a lot of baggage around conversations about money. You know how I know? It took us five years to talk about giving and church finance. And do you know how many Sundays where I have wanted to yell everything but grace and peace to Pastor Jason because he forgot to mention offering? <laughs> there have been some Sundays that it took a lot of extra grace on credit to not scream. And that's because he knows and I know that churches have used guilt and shame and manipulation and flat out bad theology when talking about money. And we don't do that kind of foolishness here. Praise God, amen. We don't play those games. We don't manipulate. We don't even pass baskets because we don't want you to ever feel coerced or manipulated into giving. 
But let me be clear, that doesn't mean that giving doesn't matter. Giving financially matters. For those of us who've invested our time and our talents, and we have the capacity to do so, let me say that again, we have the capacity to do so. We give financially. The past few years have been a dumpster fire, period, full stop. And yet, a very interesting phenomenon has occurred related to money and giving. Here's my geek out moment number two. You're getting slides. Those of my students are in the room. You could probably give this part of the sermon by, by yourselves. There are four sources of giving to nonprofits and to churches. There's corporations, there's foundations, there are bequests, and then there are individuals. Any guesses what is the number one source of where money comes from to nonprofits? I am so proud. Let you in on a little secret. The nine, the nine o'clock didn't get it nearly as well as you all did. Good job. That's right, as you can see on the data on the screen, 67% of all giving comes from individuals. If you add in foundations, about half of all foundations come from families. Those are also individuals. That takes our 67 to 77. Bequests are wills. So we'll take that 77, add nine. I am not the executive pastor, but I believe that is 86% of all giving comes from individuals. Now, where do you think money goes? What's the largest recipient of our philanthropic dollars? Salaries? No, just in terms of what bucket of nonprofitness is the largest recipient of our dollars? Who? Who said that? Gold star. Yes, you did. Religion. And it's not just because you are asked 52 weeks out of the year, or in this context, maybe 35, if he remembers. But it is because that giving to religion is tied to our understanding that there's something bigger at work. We, we, we are loved by a generous God, therefore we too are generous. My challenge to you this week is to think about ways you can contribute financial resources to someone or something you care about. As you are able, next time you're at the uh, drive-through, pay for the order behind you. It'll make their day. And if you have the capacity to do so, set up a recurring gift to the church. We've talked about time. We've talked about talent. We've talked about treasure, and now we will talk about testimony. After his death and burial, on the third day, Jesus rose and told the apostle to the apostles, we know her as Mary of Magdala, to go and tell the other apostles that he had risen. When something miraculous happens in your life, you can't help 
but tell it to someone else so that they too may bear witness to your miracle. Possibly the greatest example of telling that story is how we will spend the balance of our time together this morning at the table, sharing the Eucharist meal. Eucharist comes from another Greek word, Eucharistia, which literally means thank you. God giving God's best to us. And every time we come to the table, we are reminded both of God's lavish generosity to us and the command that we lavishly give to one another. So as those who are going to serve you make their way to the stage, I will remind you that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf. He blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said to them, this is the cup of a new covenant. Do this when in remembrance of me. So I'm going to pray, serve those who are going to serve you, and then as the Spirit leads you, you may go to one of the tables and receive the best example of God's lavish generosity. Loving God, thank you for the gift of the table. May we be ever mindful of your loving and lavish generosity, and may we too be lavishly generous one to another. This we ask in your son's name, amen. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. So may you remember that you are an icon made in the image of God, called to be generous, both individually and collectively, because God is generous. May you take advantage of unexpected opportunities to show that generosity to someone, whether it's your time, your talents, or even your treasure. May the love of God watch over you. May the peace of, may the peace of Christ fill your heart. May the presence of the Holy Spirit fill your sleep and speak in your dreams. 
May you always feel seen, safe, and known by a loving God and by this community. And may your families be well. I ask this in the name of the one whom the ancients called wonderful. And may grace and peace be with you. Thank you, friends. Have a great week. Stay safe, be well, love you, mean it.